On today's episode of Secrets to Scaling Your E-Commerce Brand, I got a chance to chat with Jason Richardson from Bad Birdie Golf. Oh man, I love this brand. Uh, I love Jason. I love everything that he's done. It's really incredible to see all the things that he's done, how he's really created a brand on the golf course, uh, an industry right now that is absolutely exploding during COVID. And it's really cool to see uh, what they've done. Uh, I would love to work with Jason in some way. Really love what the guy's doing, and you guys are going to get a ton out of this episode. Today's episode of Secrets to Scaling Your E-Commerce Brand is brought to you by Mindful Marketing. At Mindful Marketing, they use ads to get you off using ads. Most e-commerce brands rely heavily on Facebook, Google, Snapchat, Twitter, and all the other paid platforms for the majority of their revenue. At Mindful Marketing, they use paid ads to help you build a community of loyal and repeat customers that will exist long after Facebook and Google do. In fact, Mindful Marketing wants to offer you a free e-commerce growth plan that they normally charge $500 for. A recent growth plan customer said, our ROAS tripled overnight after implementing their tactics. These guys are no joke at Mindful Marketing Co. So go to mindfulmarketing.co slash grow to claim your free e-commerce growth plan today. Now on to today's episode. All right, I am here with Jason Richardson from Bad Birdie Golf. Jason, welcome to Secrets of Scaling Your E-Commerce Brand. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, it's great to have you on. For people uh, listening and not on YouTube, uh, Jason is wearing one of his shirts right now. It's got a nice little uh, bird in the middle there. And uh, yeah, I'm just, I'm really pumped to have this conversation. So before we get going, tell our audience a little bit about who you are and what you do. Yeah, so my name is Jason. I'm the founder and CEO of Bad Birdie Golf. And Bad Birdie Golf is it's a modern day golf apparel brand. We focus on fun, but we don't really compromise on performance. So we make primarily known for our polos, really bold, fun, fun prints on them. We also are expanding into headwear, accessories, and tops and bottoms, or bottoms as well. So yeah. Cool. So uh, talk to me about how this got started, right? Like where, yeah. where did you see a need? Because I mean, there's a lot of golf stuff. I mean, I, I'm, I, I used to be before my third child, I would have called myself an avid golfer. I think I still do on LinkedIn. Yeah. Uh, three, three I think kids, you man. Do. I, I just, saw that. Yeah. Yeah. I think I, I've, I've now shifted over to the mountain bike, avid mountain biker and occasional golfer. <laughs> yeah. But I like, there's tons of brands out there. Where did you find the gap. I, I'd, l- I'd love to know about that. Yeah. So Bad Birdie, we're coming up on our four-year anniversary uh, in uh, about a month. So when I started it, I was just playing golf a bunch and went out to go buy a polo for a golf tournament and walked back in to my house with like a red Tiger Nike polo. I was like, it's safe. Love Tiger. But I was looking for something more bold and loud. And I think just the company built out of my, kind of came out of my own want. And so it was like, okay, there's got to be someone else who's making this one online and Googled it. There was just literally nothing that I would say is in kind of the same uh, arena that we try to play in, which is like fun prints that are, you know, lean towards the more stylish trend side versus you have other competitors like Loudmouth, which are more just like novelty items. And so, okay. yeah, really just kind of saw that need and figured, figured out how to make polos. I was 
was living in LA at the time, had no apparel background. And I was just about to ask that. I'm like, did, did you know apparel? Did you know like design? Did you know design or anything? No, I didn't. I knew absolutely nothing. And just kind of like, (laughs) that's great. Put my, put my head down and figured it out. And five months later from when I had the idea, I had a hundred polos in my apartment and put them up online and some friends and family bought them, built an Instagram, sent them out to like, you know, even the Instagram space has changed a ton from four years ago to a lot of influencers back then. And they, you know, they, they weren't signed to any deals or anything then. So they would just post whoever sent them something and they did that. And that just kind of got the ball turning. And from there it was like, okay, we sold a hundred, let's do 200, 400 and just kind of kept that wheel turning. And yeah, that's kind of the start to the the story. So did you start with like local manufacturing then? Like when you were making your hundred? Yeah. Yeah. So I, dude, I did everything from like walking around downtown LA garment district, like going in the shops, like being like, Hey, do you guys sell fabric? Like I had no idea where I was doing. I would like go the first buttons on the polo. Like I went and bought like packs of six at like a fab, like a Joanne fabric store, but like a competitor of like, like I just had no idea. Uh, eventually yeah. I was buying, I would drive an hour and a half to go pick up the fabric in traffic, drive another hour to our printer, then drive another two hours. Like it just was like this kind of mess of figuring it out. And then, you know, yeah, but at the beginning I literally took every single piece manually to each location. Cause I was like, I don't have the money to like hire one person to do this all. So that yeah. allowed me to keep my costs down at least to start. And yeah, we just kind of grew, you know, I had like, we basically outgrew our cut and sew shop, which was like a very boutique, you know, very small startup brand. Then we grew to another one. And then, you know, about two and a half years in, three years in, we moved overseas. And now we produce everything overseas. So yeah, it was a little bit of, you know, those hours and hours sitting in traffic, driving around LA in my car with fabric rolls. So. I can imagine that the few times, the, the only times I've been to LA are uh, to do like the Disney trips, right? And every time I'm just shocked. I'm like, this is actually what it is. Like it's, it's 11 PM at night and we're not moving on the road. And that's yeah. just the way <laughs> it's this, just life. this area of the world is. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, we are not going to be talking about traffic anymore on this podcast. Yeah, n- n- no longer allowed to say it. Yeah. 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 Though, as interesting as it is sometimes to figure out why does this happen? <laughs> I'm interested to know any of those other early growth levers, because I know from, from people who reach out, it's hard to get podcast stats for us, but we know from people who reach out, we have a really wide array of listeners. We've got people who are just kind of starting out, kind of making that first, you know, sort of hundred thousand dollars a year, uh, anywhere up until I've had people like nine figure brands reach out and say that they listen to the podcast. So we're kind of all in the midst there. What I'd like to, to know first is what were some of those big levers besides Instagram influencers four years ago that really started that really started the growth? Yeah, it's a great question. I think one of the levers of our was just the product itself. And I don't know if this is necessarily a great thing to replicate, but in our space in golf at the time, we were, I would argue the first mover. I don't know any other brands that were doing what we were doing at the time that were kind of like this young up and coming fun golf brand. And because of that, you know, you go out and wear this shirt on a course, there's like a 70 to 80% chance someone was come up and say, Hey, what, what brand are you wearing? What is that shirt? And let's say you have 10 customers wearing it one, you know, 10% conversion on that. You just sold another one. So it kind of slowly just kind of kept going up like that. And yeah, so word of mouth helped us a ton. Yeah. I don't know how, but so for that, it's like what we use there is we built a really loyal customer base at the beginning and really kind of worked on interacting with them. I answered every email kind of growing that and really supporting being like, that's how we got it going. It's like early, early customers. Like they were buying polos that I wouldn't put out now, but they are some of our most loyal customers. They own every single one. Like, so we built that. I think you know, I didn't spend any money on Facebook or Google for really the first six to nine months. So in those early stages, it was also just like trying to, 
I don't know, just block and tackle, put out fires. Like it was just kind of like a put my head down and just kind of keep moving forward. You know, this mentality, like put my foot forward like an inch every day. And after a long time, you just kind of keep chipping away. And so yeah. my plan with starting it was very much more like I was never trying to grow a multi-million dollar business or anything. I was just trying to make, sell a couple hundred polos as a side hustle to yeah. supplement some fun, like fun income. Like I built it off the Tim Ferriss. And, and what were you doing model. at the time? Yeah. What was your, yeah, I worked was your as a, job? I worked as a line producer. So it's a very specific role in basically producing TV commercials. So I worked with advertising agencies and brands. I got hired as a freelance contractor and I would get hired, me and the director would get hired. And then we would go out and execute the actual physical production of commercials. So yeah, it was a great gig. I mean, honestly, sometimes I still miss it. It's just like a fun, like you're doing two to three weeks, really busy, doing really fun shoots. And then you're out and you go to the next one. So interesting. We we recently did a uh, a radio and podcast commercial. We we were the talent, my wife and I, for Google. Oh, nice. And uh, oh, cool. and. It was so interesting because I'm really used to, like, I don't go back and redo anything on the podcast, right? Like we don't, yeah. th- that's just not who I am. I just, I just do stuff. I did never listen to it afterwards. It's just, yeah. that's just the way it is. And with this Google commercial, I couldn't believe there was like nine people for this audio commercial, nine people yep. in the room, all giving their opinion on the way we're saying lines and stuff. I'm like, whoa, like this is a different world than I'm used to. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Voice over. Yeah. I've done that. I've been one of those nine people before and it's, it's like too many cooks in the kitchen. Oh yes. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We were joking about it afterwards of like all of the different types of personalities that emerge right throughout all of it. Yes. It's, it was just, (laughs) it was a fun experience. Um, so I can imagine as well. I love what you've done with, you know, being able to, to see the shirt there. There's something about having that little bird on the front of it as well that can help people identify the polo, especially, right? Because a lot of times people will have like just a really subtle, I mean, like we're, we're in apparel, right? And we just have like really subtle tags that are on the side, right? Whereas this is like right there. And I think it works. I think it works with what you're doing and, and identifies the brand a little bit more. Is, is that true? It, like, have you found that? Totally. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's funny because we have so many knockoff brands and they all do the same thing. Like everyone has this right here. Mm. And I think because when I, the initial idea for me was, yeah, like kind of what you're saying, like, I want it to be a very staple piece where it's like, you know what that brand is from a distance and being someone who appreciates, you know, apparel, fashion outside of golf. It's like, I always appreciate a brand icon where even like 30 yards away, I can tell, oh, that's that brand or something because that's a very specific, I mean, the Nike swoosh, everyone knows that, but as you get into more niche kind of categories, you can be like, oh, that cycling jersey is that because that's what they all have that kind of mark. And so for me, it was really important to have like, what's that mark that we can own that no one else in golf is doing. And so many people early on were like, oh, we don't, this is going to flop. Like people don't want anything with this branded on in in golf, but I think it's been quite the opposite. So I think with the types of designs that you have, it just fits so well and it makes a lot of sense. And I think there's something there with, you know, when we talked about what those sort of lever points were before, word of mouth is huge, right? And so figuring out how to build that into your product is incredibly valuable, right? That just means us a lower customer acquisition cost once you start paying for advertising, right? Because then for every, like you said, every 10 people who buy it, one is just naturally going to buy due to word of mouth. Mm -hmm. Totally. Yeah. It's, it's uh, the customers who invest in you, like building that retention side is just huge. And they actually, it's like building the retention actually generates acquisition, right? Like the more you build up those people, they're actually, you build like this army of people who's like going out and, and, you know, being your brand audience for you and all 
all that stuff. So, yeah. Absolutely. Let's talk about your experience on, on Shark Tank. There's some stuff we can't yeah. get into, but let's get into, into what we can. Tell, tell me about it. What, what happened on there? Yeah, Shark Tank, Shark, you know, it's funny. I always have watched Shark Tank my whole life. I never thought I'd apply for the show. You know, when I had roommates in college, I was the guy, you know, they'd all be sleeping in on Saturdays. I'd be watching the Who episode at like 7.30 in the morning and they'd always be joking. Hey, Jason, why don't you like pitch us your company idea? Uh, and I'd be like, ah, no worries. That's never gonna happen, guys. And then, you know, after I'd done Bad Bird a couple of years, they have some casting that reaches out to people. They basically have kind of like in inbound and outbound ways they cast. And so someone reached out, their husband was a golfer and had known the brand and got the opportunity to go through their whole application process and, and pitch on the show. And yeah, I mean, it's probably what you'd expect. Like it's a ton of nerves, probably the most nerve wracking thing I've ever done. I'm um, actually getting there's, like empathy nerves right now, even just hearing yeah, about it. Like, <laughs> like, yeah, you, you sit there, you, you know, being in the film industry, like knowing how to do that. I, it's like a lot of hurry up and wait. So you're waiting a lot, you know, even until you walk into the tank, you, I had like paper towels underneath my armpits and my shirt because I was just drenching nervous sweat. And then you're just like, you'd imagine like walking into like game time, like the doors open, there's like a camera following you, right? Like steady cam right in front of you. And then you walk out and then they tell you, we're not going to refilm anything unless it's a technical difficulty. Like basically I could trip. I could like totally not say anything. It's yep. like opposite of commercials or actual traditional production, it, it is actual reality. And that's the biggest question I get. People ask is like, oh, is this, you know, I do a putt at the end where I wager percentage of the company with Robert and ended up winning in my favor, but that was hundred percent real. Like I basically asked him to make a putt in the negotiation process. I said, Hey, if you can make this putt, I will give you 25% of the company. If you miss the putt, then it's 20%. And he misses the putt. Like it was like literally a centimeter short. And it was just like this great moment. That's like, that's hundred percent real. Nothing rigged, tricked. Like I just got lucky off that. And so, yeah, it's just, it also in there too, you are just there. I don't know if the producers tell them to do this, but like one person asks a question and then before you can finish, they all start asking questions. I think they try to put pressure on the, on the contestants to make it more drama, but they just start attacking and like, it, I mean, they cut it down a ton, but yeah, it was a great experience. I, I you know, I'm a huge fan of the show. So yeah, it was great. Have you had re-airs since? We've had, we did one re-air last summer. So and did they you, ran and, back. And was it still the, the same Shark Tank effect that the first time was? Yeah, uh, it was about, I don't know, maybe like 35% of what the first time was. It wasn't as big. No, the first time was like, we like broke our, we broke our monthly record the night it aired um, in revenue. And so it just like... <laughs> skyrocketed us. We acquired a ton of customers and then we re-aired again. And, you know, the goal is that we can continue to re-air and that can be something, but I've just heard from a lot of other brands that it kind of like has a law of diminishing return. And yeah. there's even stats yeah. on it too. It's like, you're, it's like you have like a 35% kind of decay rate every day from the night it airs. It's kind of like the general rule of thumb. Okay. So, but from a really big day, that's still, we were just hitting big, 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 big numbers when we aired. So yeah, it was, it was super fun. And yeah. So let's talk. We're in 2021. We're recording in April right now. Just trying to look outside yep. and see. Right now it looks like July yeah. in British Columbia. So this is great. Love it. Yeah. <laughs> so let's talk. What is working right now marketing wise? What are you guys really using to lever? Cause you guys have had massive growth. I mean, I, I've seen in all yeah. the notes that you had with, with our team, like you've had huge growth. What are those yeah. levers now that hopefully 
hopefully we can help people with? Yeah. So I think there's two things that I always think about. There's what the market tells us and then what levers we can pull, like you're mentioning. So I think on the market side, first, we are, I have to recognize that golf has had a huge moment the last year with COVID. Yep. Everywhere in golf, people, you know, clubs are sold out, apparel sold out. Like golf is like the new, I don't know, like people are starting golf brands, like skate brands in the nineties. Like, it's just like so many people are moving into the space because it's yeah. a great sport. And I think the culture around it's shifting. And I think that's a really positive thing that we are actually at the forefront of that wave. So now it's a matter of, can we keep riding the wave and keep yeah. being able to keep up with it in terms of what levers we're going to pull? You know, we do, I would say a lot of what the DTC playbook is, you yeah. know, we're really big on acquisition and growing on, you know, Facebook is still the main lever. We'll see what happens with the iOS update and how that's going to keep impacting it. Google is still, you know, Google shopping is really good for us on the acquisition side. There's other channels that we see in the future, kind of once we run out of some runway, I, I think on a, on Facebook and Google, such as direct mail, potentially I see, you know, there's podcasts, there's, there's all these other different media channels, but for us right now, we still have really good numbers and a really good team working with us on the acquisition side. So there's that. I see the retention side also being huge for us too, in terms of growing our email list, growing our SMS list, um, and then really engaging with our customers by creating just good experiences for them when they engage with the brand. Like once they come in our doors, it's like what their experience is, every touch point to even our customer service. You know, we strive to have really, really good customer service and we get really high marks from people just like that kind of stuff. Like once someone yeah. comes in is really important. So yeah, I would say we're following a lot of what you'd see in the marketplace because it's working still, but totally. we kind of have some backup plans ready if we need to. It's like, we're not trying to do something crazy yet, but we know what's out there and what we're, what levers we can pull if we need to. So, I mean, the great thing about for you being in a, a niche, all of our businesses are very wide, wide target demos. Whereas for you yeah. being in golf, there are so many places where golfers hang out, right? Golf podcast. Yeah. But I mean, what a great place, you know, if yep. I always think I'm like, okay, tomorrow. And it's what uh, at mindful marketing. It's what we've um, at, at our agency, what we've kind of come to is like, we want to, we're the ad agency that tries to help you get off the reliance on ads, right? doesn't mean that ads yeah. aren't working now, but like there will be a point, right? You know, everyone used to think totally. that, you know, TV was the only way to go. And now it's like, yeah, I mean, I think you can actually get great prices on TV, especially connected TV, but yes. yeah. it's, but it's like just knowing that there are those other places and that you can aggregate those customers elsewhere, I think can be very, very helpful to your brand. Yeah. And I think there's going to be, I think something is going to shift where it's like these brands that are like, kind of, we know these five to 10 year old D2C brands that have just really grew on Facebook. It's like, yeah, you, there's going to have to be a shift to connected TV or podcasts or making really niche. It's like, you have to go for that niche market or you have to go really big and have a ton of capital to try to acquire customers. Cause there's so many people. So yeah, I'm really curious to see kind of how the space changes because I think we're getting close to like, I don't know how much Facebook and Google is going to continue to be the main workhorse. I don't think it's going to die in the next year or two, but I, I'm always curious like where it's going to go. Totally. I mean, the the one thing that I see some massive opportunity is still in YouTube, right? If Google can just figure yes. out how to justify people's spend on yep. YouTube, yep. The I, I've had like great conversations with people. We're super connected with um, Brett Curry and the whole team over at OMG Commerce. And those guys have figured figured it out in some sort of way. I mean, they run like millions of dollars for Ezra Firestone and they run like, and they're actually making money for brands, but it's so, it's such a few and far between thing right now. Right. So yeah, yeah I mean, there's, there's gotta be some other channels out there. I mean, the other, the other one too, that I see if 
we're just spitballing right now. And yeah. hopefully this is helpful for people is and what I'm absolutely loving right now is brand partnerships, right? And and finding those other people in your niche that that sort of fit and and doing partnerships with them. You're just aggregating your customers together essentially. Yep. Yeah, no, we're we are trying and actively working on a couple like that. Yeah, just you know, partnering with other brands in the space or other brands that are trying to get into the golf space that we can kind of benefit from both each both our small niche audience and their larger audience to kind of help each other out. So that's really smart. Yeah. That's a good, that's a good thing that like, we're really, I'm really bullish on us trying to do that and really build out like a fully, a full program where we can just have these for us. It's like custom polos and that's what the execution looks like um, yeah. to be able to work together yeah, yeah. and stuff like that. So um, yeah. We'll take, we'll take this, this conversation offline after. Cause I'm, <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> that yeah. kind of stuff just gets me <laughs> we, so excited. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, that's great. I got to ask you the question I ask everybody because I cannot believe we've already been talking this long. What is your secret to scaling? I would say make a plan and then, uh, you know, I'm very pro calendars building out what you're going to do and then just keep your head down to execute it. Like kind of just keep going until you fail and just keep maneuvering along the way. So that's a little bit of a long way to answer plan and then execute, I guess. But you know what? It's it's true. (laughs) When you use calendars to block time off to get stuff done and, and you you actually like plan it all out stuff actually gets done it's it's like yeah. it's like this magical thing that actually happens yeah just just thinking ahead i think we talk a lot about as our team you know every tour player that goes out like they're caddying them prep they they know every shot they know the greens they know everything it's like why wouldn't we do the same exact thing in running a business it's like every, every sports team every every person's going to know what their plays are they plan ahead it's like why would you not do that enough i mean business is a sport in a sense like why not be prepared? So absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I know in, um, again, I feel like I've been talking about this so much lately. It's just my third or fourth or fifth. I don't even remember how many times I've read seven habits of highly effective people, but he talks about roles and goals. It's like the most important thing that you can have for employees is like, this is your role and here's your KPIs because that just makes Mm -hmm. everyone happy. Right. And then that way, you know, and that's same thing in sports, right? You're like, well, this is what I'm doing. I'm a left winger and in in hockey or whatever, you know, and my KPIs are 50 goals a year or whatever. Right. And then, you know, whether you're successful or not, it's amazing for employees to have that. Yeah. Yep. No, we use, uh, we run on traction EOS, which I'm sure you, I don't know if oh, you know awesome. about that, but it's kind of the same thing. Yeah. So it's yeah, very got, similar. Quite thing. a few buddies, companies who are, who run on, uh, on EOS and, uh, yeah, totally. It's, and for me, it's less about the specific system. I think EOS is awesome, but it's yeah. just having a, a, having a system, right? Some sort of system, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, hey, we're going to move on to our lightning round here. I've really enjoyed this conversation. This has felt just like chatting with a friend. So I hope that people are getting lots out of this. Uh, Either way, I am. So (laughs) yes, great. It's been great. So we're going to, yeah, we're going to move on to our our lightning round here. Favorite tool or app that you're using right now? I would say Shopify. That's so everyone uses Shopify. I would say we, uh, you know, Klaviyo, like we're diving into optimizing our email flows even more. Are you doing any SMS right now? Yes. Are you using Klaviyo for it? No, we're actually using Via or Via. It's like a new platform that we're kind of testing out. Yeah, it's uh, our the guy who runs our uh, retention is testing it out and it's been doing really well. I mean, there's so many competitors we've tried them all and it's kind of um, hopefully our other vendors not listening to this podcast. Um, but yeah, we're just, we're testing them out and it, it's been really good. So they have really good automation, but we're still in the, like, we're like week three out of a 30 oh, okay. day test. So yeah. Okay. Well, uh, well, well, again, we'll bring that one offline. So I, uh, so yeah. I can actually tell you what I think about uh, some of these people. So great. Uh, favorite podcast or audiobook that you're listening to right now. I really like, I mean, I've been listening to your show uh, after we shot. So how I built this is 
very standard, but I love that podcast. I just think it's cool to hear these entrepreneur stories from really big brands. And I, I still have no shame in saying that I love that podcast. Well, it's funny because really like, you know, that was one of the first podcasts, whenever How I Built This came out. I used to be a, a house painter um, at one point. And so I would have eight oh, nice. hours of podcasts. This was like, I don't know, in 2010, 2011, something like that. And How I Built This was always on my rotation. And I feel like I've tried to do a little bit of that with some more tactical kind of stuff on this podcast and obviously a lot less produced. So <laughs> yeah. um, uh, it's just so helpful, right? I think that there's going to be a lot of people out there that listen to your story and are super inspired by it because really, and I know this is going to be super cheesy, but I, I truly believe that mindset and shifting your brain and the way that you think about things actually makes a difference. You can actually do way more than you think you can. And like, Generally, anything is possible. It's true. It's a yeah. crazy thing. That's uh, I'll plug in. I'll answer your second question, even though you didn't ask. But for the audiobook, Jim Quick wrote this book called Limitless, and it's all about that. So basically, unhacking your mind to like be able to execute. It's really good. Sweet. Do so you recommend that one? Yes. Yeah. It's really. Well, I'm good. gonna just search that one on Audible right now because <laughs> I got some credits yeah. uh, kicking around. So that's great. Limitless. Great. And third question: If you yeah. could sit down with anybody who's alive right now, have some coffee, tea, beer, wine, all of the above, or one of them, uh, who would it be? Tiger Woods. Tiger. Okay. I just, you, you got to unpack it a little bit. I, I'd like to know what, what, what yeah. you'd like to chat with them about. I mean, I would just chat. I would just think, you know, being the goat of golf, just hearing his story or just getting the chance to chat with them. I feel like you would just get uh, a whole new level of understanding of life. I don't know. I, I mean, it's just, just seeing what he's done in the game and just kind of his story and everything. It'd be, it'd be really cool to hear yeah, just what he's, what he's been able to do and learn from someone like that. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, like people that are at this like completely different level than the rest of us. And then yet has all of these things in the background that have happened, you know, like, yeah. Like I'm like, is he going to be, would he be like a normal guy? Or would he be, the thing is like someone like that, they're just so media trained. They're so, they've had so many people just yeah. reach out. So it's like, how do you actually know who the real person would be? But anyone who's like at the peak of their game, like whether it's Tiger Woods, Tom Brady, I don't know, any of those people would just be insane to like hear how they do life. And I would just like to know like what they do on an average day. Like what's their average day like? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's great. Jason, this was so nice to have you on the podcast. I really enjoyed this conversation. Where can people Thank you. Um, find out more about you and reach out to you? Yeah. I mean, our, our Instagram is bad birdie golf. You can reach out to me personally on LinkedIn and our website is badbirdiegolf.com. Awesome. Awesome. That is great. Well, thank you so much for your time today. I appreciate it. Thanks. Hey guys, we hope you really enjoyed today's episode. Can we ask you a favor? Hit subscribe so that you never miss an episode and share this with your e-commerce store owner friends. We also love reviews. So if you could leave us one on Apple podcasts, that would mean so much to us. Just a reminder from the beginning of the episode, our team at Mindful Marketing is rapidly growing and we have room for one new brand a month that's looking to grow. Now, before you apply, please note that we're only looking for businesses that are ready to scale and have the capacity and the inventory for a large influx of orders. This opportunity is only available to brands that have had at least one year of sales history and are ready for explosive growth. If this sounds like you, go to mindfulmarketing.co slash apply and start the process today. I hope you guys have a great week.